Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. We are continuing our journey through what now? It is the time when we look back to not only our tradition within Christianity, but deep within the scriptures to discover the ways in which God encourages us and empowers us to continue onward. Sometimes in the midst of so many struggles, and when we think that we are just starting to make progress, perhaps we feel that we have been taking a step backwards or forced to hold. When we meet with those circumstances, it's all too easy to just give up. But that is not who we are, who we were called to be, and it certainly doesn't reflect the image of the Creator in whose image we were made. So we are told to continue ever forward toward the kingdom of God. And while we look for ways to do that, today we hear about an incredible challenge that one of God's own beloved servants faced, and that is King David. King David had a child who was just born and fell deathly ill. And then David experienced one of the most horrific things that I have ever witnessed, and that is when a parent outlives a child. It is a horrible thing, for the way of the world seems to be that we should raise children and that we should go before them. And yet there are so many who have experienced this incredible loss to have watched their child's life end. And so did David. And as he watched the child grow sicker and sicker, and as he watched the life start to ebb from the child, he did the only thing he knew how to do. He was not a healer, he was not a physician, and he certainly wasn't a magician. Instead, he went and he showed his desire for the child to live. He fasted, he did not eat. It's possible he wasn't even drinking. And he laid down on the floor to show this desire to mourn and seek God's intervention. And he did this for seven days. And then, unfortunately, the child died. And then his entire household were concerned about him. He seemed so overcome with grief, even in the midst of the child's death, that they didn't know how to tell him that the child had died, and they feared that he would do himself some harm, or perhaps he would take his own life. They were afraid of the consequences of being truthful to David. But David was not a fool. David could tell from their concern, from their affect, and perhaps from their whisperings, as the text said, that something had changed. And so he decided to ask them, did the child die? And they confirmed for him, yes, the child is dead. And then David did something that they didn't see coming. He got up. He washed himself, he anointed himself, he changed his clothes. Then he went to church. He went to the house of the Lord, and there he worshipped. And then he came home, and he once more asked for food and ate. And this astounded his servants, those that had been watching him. They couldn't understand why the dramatic shift. You didn't do this when the child was dying, but now you do it? Shouldn't you have reverse these two things. You should have eaten and lived while the child was alive and then mourned when the child died. And David gives us an intriguing glimpse into his theology, his understanding of what happens when we die. 
David said, I did these things not for you to see, but for God to see how important that child is to me and that I love him and I care for him and that perhaps if it was in God's will that the child might be saved. But the child did not get saved. The child died. And now the child is in a place where the child will not return from there. But my day will come and I will once more be reunited with that child. I will go to him. So now, in the meantime, before our reunion, I must live. I have work to do. David is the king of the United Kingdom of the northern and the southern kingdoms of Israel. And David knows that there are many who depend on him. He has taken time and he has preemptively mourned the loss of this child. And now he has gone into the house of the Lord and he has worshipped. He has paid homage to God. And perhaps in his own way, he has asked that God would give him the strength to continue forward so that he too might do what others need him to do. And to do that, he does the things that we ourselves are being advised to do in the midst of a pandemic. He gets up. He gets ready. He washes and anoints himself, anointing, being applying a fragrant oil so that even the very fragrance of his presence is a reminder that he has work to do, that God has placed upon him an intention to lead God's people. And now he is ready to go back and do that work. That doesn't mean that David has forgotten the child, the pain of the sickness and the suffering, nor that David is over the loss and the death of the child. But instead, it means that David recognizes that as difficult as it is, life goes on. And that we might be surprised just how many people are invested in us, care about how we are doing and care about what we do in this world not just our jobs or our careers, but what it is we do in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that was something that came after King David, but he did understand that he was a servant of God, a worshiper of the Lord Most High, and that he too had work to do. God had placed this entire nation in his hands and asked him to do the same thing that he did for the sheep in his father's household when he was a teenager working as a shepherd. He was called to watch over them, the people, as much as he did the sheep, to ensure that they had food and water, that they had protection, and that they could focus on their job, their duty, to be fruitful and multiply, to continue to grow in their relationship with God and one another, and to fill the promised land with a people who were devoted to their God. That was precisely the call. And David knew that he had to be ready for that in the way he presented himself and his physical body as well as in his mind and in his spirit. And so David got ready. But one of the most important things is that David didn't neglect the spiritual aspects either. He made sure that he worshiped. And you'll notice that the worship was kind of the first thing that he did. He got himself ready and he went into worship because this is a time for us to get ourselves ready, body, mind, and spirit for whatever is ahead of us this week. And you might know what is coming. You might be dreading what is coming or joyfully anticipating it. But whatever is ahead of you in the days to come, you are not going alone. The spirit of the Lord is upon you and God is with you and for you. 
And we need to be reminded that sometimes in accepting that mantle and recognizing that that truth rests upon us as individual disciples of Jesus Christ, that we are going to have our work on behalf of God for others. That in the coming days, we have to have ourselves in a right place so that when others seek our comfort, our guidance, our presence, and our encouragement, we are ready and able to give it to them. And this time with God and, and in the new ways with one another means that we are accepting that it is time for us to get ready for tomorrow. And sometimes it seems like the weeks go so quickly. Were we just here? What happened? And then sometimes the days go by so slowly. But the one constant in all of our days and all of the pages of the scriptures is God. God does not forsake us. God says, I am here. And whenever you call upon me, I answer. Unfortunately, we don't always like the answer that we get from God. Sometimes we don't like that God doesn't give us exactly what we want. We're in the preparation phase here in the life of the church for getting ready for Advent, which of course is our celebration precipitating the annual celebration of Christmas, the incarnation and the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we are preparing for that, I know some of you are going, can I just get through Thanksgiving first? I feel you very deeply. But as we are doing this, I always think back on the Christmases that have come before. I think back on all those times when we were telling the children every year about what it meant to celebrate Advent and what it meant to celebrate Christmas. And one of the greatest joys that I've had in years past has been the chapel experience with the children of our preschool. And this year that's going to look different because I film it from home and we upload a video and they're not going to be in this sacred space and they're, they're not going to get to be so close to all of the things that will change here in the sanctuary. And every year there's usually one child who about the, the second or third chapel recognizes that all I'm doing is talking about Jesus. And they say, well, what about Santa Claus? <laughs> and that's the moment. <laughs> that's the moment. And I was thinking about th that this morning when you have to carefully n negotiate, navigate how you talk about Santa Claus in the midst of a celebration that is about Jesus. And usually it goes something like this. Well, you clearly know about Santa Claus. I'm, I'm going to focus on Jesus here. And, and you can focus on whatever you want at home. But here we're going to focus on Jesus. And it occurred to me the difference between something that human beings create and something that God creates. God created the anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. It goes all the way back into the Old Testament. It's certainly very present and tangible in the prophetic text of the book of Isaiah. And it continues through the line in Jeremiah. It continues down through the minor prophets. You hear it in the prophetic utterances of John the Baptist and finally, at the arrival of our Lord and Savior on that fateful night in Bethlehem, it didn't look the way we would have scripted it. It didn't feel the way we would have written it and produced it and shot it and projected it to the world. Instead, it feels very strange when you look at it. That the God of all things comes to us in the vulnerability of an infant child in a creche, a place where you would keep animals in a city that is overrun and filled with so many people that there's no place for his parents to go except where they stick the animals. It would be like the equivalent of having a very busy season wherever you may live. 
and having someone have no place in a motel or a hotel, and so they come and sleep in your garage. That's not a narrative, narrative that we would write for our Messiah, but it's one that God carefully chose for God's self. And then when you think about what we portray, what we think about giving, you have St. Nicholas, you have Santa Claus, and how there's a carefully cultivated and curated image and projection there, and how we use it to undergird some of the behavior we want to see from our children. Oftentimes I'll hear people say, you know, if you're not good, you're not going to get what you want from Santa Claus. But that's not the lesson that we hear in our scripture today. Very few people in their time of emotional anguish react and respond the way that David did. A lot of people, unfortunately, don't go to their spiritual disciplines and their practices to show not only those that are within viewing and hearing, but God's self, how we feel. David wasn't fasting so people would see him. David was fasting so that he would feel, feel what the child was feeling, feel the life slipping away. Feel that even in the midst of our bodies failing us, that God's spirit can sustain in miraculous ways. Seven days without food, and he was still alive because God can keep us going. And then you have this concept that you get from Santa Claus about, you know, we're good and so we get rewarded. <laughs> but the reality is that no matter how good we are as Christians, that sometimes the world doesn't reward us. Sometimes it feels like the world penalizes us, punishes us, persecutes us. And I remember one time my son saying to me, you know, Santa Claus and Jesus are very different. Say more. <laughs> Say more about that. How are they so different? He said, well, Jesus came because we weren't able to be good. Jesus came because we can't always do that. And then Santa Claus comes because supposedly we're really good. And I said, that's right. And no matter how good or bad you are, the good news is Jesus always comes. Jesus always comes. Amen. And we need to remember that. We need to be very mindful. We need to put that where we can see it and hear it and feel it every day. That no matter how bad yesterday was or today is starting out or tomorrow is going to be, Jesus always comes. And those are some of the most incredible words that Christ spoke to the disciples. Said, in a little while you will no longer see me, but I am coming to you. I will always come for you so that where I am, there you may be also. So we don't have to worry about being abandoned or cast aside by the one who can save us. We know that our good shepherd is coming for us. And when we're struggling with everything that has come before and we're struggling with what steps to take next and where to go, sometimes we just need to be like David. We just need to get up and get ourselves ready and entrust ourselves into the care of our God. And recognize that not only is God mindful and careful and attentive about us, but God is also doing that through others. You're looking through a screen, but what you can't see is the perspective that God has. That all over Crozet in Virginia and even beyond, there are others that are 
in this moment feeling the presence of the Spirit. And they are going to get themselves ready to be vessels of God's goodness and grace today and tomorrow and the next day and the next. And while you might not be physically alongside one another, we are connected. There are invisible threads of faith and the movement of the Holy Spirit that are being stitched all over the world. But every stitch needs an anchor. Every stitch needs a place to connect so that when the time is right and it's pulled tight, that it won't come undone and that everyone will be deeply connected and brought together. And that's the work for the week ahead. Are we willing to get ourselves ready, whatever that may look like and whatever that may take, so that when someone says to us, I am so desperate, it is so dark, and my needs are so great, that we will be part of God's loving response. In the story that I read to you from 2 Samuel, it seems that God is kind of missing. There's talk around God, there's talk about God. But almost everybody that is saying and doing, speaking and acting in the text are human beings. You have David, you have the elders in his household, you have the servants in the household. And they are all the vessels and the ones that care about him, trying to get him to eat and to, and to revive his strength. And then the ones afterwards who are confused, but they still serve him food. To me, there's a message in there that you don't have to understand who exactly someone is or what they're doing to be good and kind to them. The servants didn't understand what David was doing. They thought that his actions were reversed, that he had put the mourning before the death of the child and now suddenly he's alive and well again. They didn't understand, but they still brought him food when he said he was hungry. They didn't abandon him and go, we don't understand what you're doing and so you can get your own food. They didn't say, we don't agree with what you did, and so therefore you're going to have to find some other servants to feed you. They knew what their duty was. Their job and their purpose was to ensure that he had food because others would not be fed and cared for if David couldn't do his duty. And what we'll discover in the days ahead is that each and every one of us has a role to play. We are deeply connected within the flock, the family of faith. And even when those connections don't seem as obvious because the fellowship is not in the same way as we knew before, God doesn't cease. And God's promise for David was the same. Continue to do your work all of your days. And when your time here is over, I will reunite you with your child. I will reunite you with all of those who have gone before. And one day, when Christ comes back, we will be reunited with them. We will have the opportunity to gather with all of those that we have lost, those that have gone before us, whether having lived full lives or having them tragically cut short. We will have the opportunity to see just what God has been building this whole time. God isn't watching from a distance and sitting and letting us do all the work. The whole time we are doing our work here in our homes, in our communities, and in the world, God is building something too. A place that is eternal. Where everyone has a seat at the table. Everyone has a room 
and God's house, and everyone is beloved, known, and cherished. And our job is to give those that we encounter a glimpse, a taste, an experience of that truth here. So how do you let someone know that God isn't going to let them starve for all eternity? You feed them when you're hungry. How do you let someone know that they will be welcomed with open arms into the kingdom to come when Christ returns? You welcome them into the church, into your home, into your heart. And because of those experiences, the faith grows. Those of us that have watched the ebb and flow of Christianity, those of us that have wondered, can the church survive this trial? Absolutely. We can, and we can survive it too because God is good all the time. And when we choose to be vessels of that goodness, others experience not just how good our God is, but how mighty, how loving, and how amazing is the God that we know, love, and serve. May you, like David, cling to God this week for when you feel weak, you may find strength. When you feel unloved, you will find tangible signs of love. And when you wonder if you can be forgiven, when you consider that perhaps you are unworthy, God says, I choose to forgive you, and I give you grace to do the same for others. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I have a couple announcements for you. As I mentioned, we are gearing up for Advent. And so as we do that, we want you to know that we are going to make some resources available for you. You have the ability to download a copy of this resource that comes to us from the United Methodist Church. You can also contact our church office to get a printed copy if you would prefer. And then if you go to the website, you can also find the link to get to the uh, where you can sign up for the email and they'll send it to you every day. But we want to really encourage you to stay very grounded in a spiritual discipline like King David did. As we approach this Advent season, it's quite possible that it will look and feel radically different from anything that we had ever experienced before or even what our hopes and dreams were for this year. And so we need to stay connected to God and then in miraculous ways to one another. So we encourage you to connect with that. We are also reminding you about Operation Christmas Child. This is something that we do to make a tangible difference and bring some joy and happiness into a child's life around the world on Christmas. So you can go to our webpage, Crozet United Methodist org and you can find the goal page sign up you can fill a box online we're not doing them in person obviously because of the idea of sanitizing and getting those out all over the world but you can do it virtually our goal is to fill a hundred boxes by thanksgiving and you are a vital part of that so you can sign up today and then hopefully children all over the world will have the opportunity to laugh and find some joy and fun on christmas as we try to do for our children here in Crozet and in the United States. And the last thing we want to encourage you to do is if today's message spoke to you, share it. Share it on Facebook and so that others can have an opportunity to experience some good news in the midst of so much struggle 
and darkness in the world. So we thank you for being an evangelist in a new and transformative way. And so we are shifting to the time when we want to encourage you, if, um, if you have not done so already, to make your gift to give to the missions and the ministries of Jesus Christ, not just here at Grose, but we do that all over in connection through the greater denomination. And your gifts enable us to continue to join together. You know, I, when you think about the metaphor of King David and his sheep, if you only had one sheep, you're not going to make a very big sweater. But when we all combine our wool, there is enough to keep so many warm, to let them experience God's grace and love, and certainly to reach out in care and concern when people say, I need help, and I don't know where else to go. Then we are able to turn around and say, you came to the right place because we will help you and your gifts allow us to do that so with that kind of hope expectation and gratitude let us pray merciful god you have given us so much and sometimes it's not always tangible it's not things that we can touch or put in the bank or put on a shelf in our home but they are things that change who we are your love and your forgiveness are unparalleled gifts They change how we understand you and ourselves, and they are changing how we understand others. That you pour out that same love and forgiveness on every human being. And we pray that they will not only receive it and embrace it, but they too will be transformed. So that what spreads over the earth is goodness and grace. Help us through these gifts that we give to bring honor and glory to you, to continue the good work that Jesus began in his earthly ministry that he entrusted into the care of those first disciples and that they have been handing down throughout the generations and around the world to others. We recognize that now is our time. This is the day to serve and to love, to provide and to care and to embody kindness and compassion. May it be so, almighty God, for there is so much struggle and sickness, death and sin in the world. Help us to reflect outwardly the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ, whom we belovedly know as the balm of Gilead, who came not to condemn, but to bring healing and salvation. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we worship and pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.